All right, everybody, how's it going? This is Dan Figella here with Tech Emergence, where we interview investors, researchers, uh, and entrepreneurs in the domain of emerging technology. Uh, today, I happen to have a doctor and uh, investor on the line with me right now. Dr. Charles Sidman is the managing partner of ECS Capital Partners, LLC. He's based out of Maine, uh, also a Harvard PhD. He's also uh, done speaking, consulting with over 200 companies and organizations in various fields. Charles, how are you today? Good. How are you? I'm very good. I'm glad to be able to have you on the line. Um, I know it is a, a little bit, again, unique that you sort of have the academic background that you also got into investing. Sort of glad we got to catch up uh, before we got on the mic. But I, I sort of wanted to, to delve in first. I think this is probably the most appropriate first question um, is how, how did your previous experience, you know, as you had said, decades uh, in the lab with the pipette work, sort of influence your work now as uh, an investor? Is there a significant impact that that sort of had on either your approach or the kinds of companies you go after? How did that sort of influence the game that you're in now? All right. It, it did that in several ways. Um, first of all, all the research that I ever did was predicated on actually making a difference. And <clears throat> investing is, is one step further out of the lab. So discoveries are then applied and uh, commercialized for general benefit. So it, that was kind of a natural progression for me. Uh, a second connection is that being a scientist, I understand the discovery process, mm. and while I'm certainly not an expert in every specific field yeah. of science or technology, I can very comfortably talk to scientists and technical folks yeah. and distinguish what the actual data is from what the interpretation might be, from what the implications or applications might be. Those are really different stages in a discussion. A non-technical person takes all of those as gospel and can't break them down or discuss alternatives. Ah, okay, cool. So, um, so sort of the thinking process behind that. You had mentioned the discovery uh, process is sort of an identifiable thing. So, um, so it doesn't necessarily have to be a field of expertise, but so long as you sort of understand, you know, how research has to go. You had said the, the implications and applications thereof. What, what might be an example? You don't have to necessarily drop names of a company here, but an example where, where maybe you were able to kind of glean or forecast or, or understand a particular circumstance based on you know, your own background of, of deep familiarity with research and the discovery process. Well, okay, a scientific discovery as influenced by a paper presents certain results. Uh, and <clears throat> when a professional reads those, they, they look at the results first and then sort of make their own interpretations of what they might mean. And then they look at the researcher's take on their own results. The results should be replicable. The interpretations might be quite divergent by hmm. different onlookers. So that process goes on with every company that I come into contact with. I see what has actually been done. And then we discuss what it means. And my view of what it means might be more optimistic than the researcher or the entrepreneur, or it might be less optimistic, yeah. but, but I'm somewhat prepared to make that judgment and then talk about my judgment versus other people's judgments and, and why we might have come to the same or different conclusions. And that leads to either advice to the entrepreneur or company, or it leads to a go or no-go investment decision on my part. Interesting. Okay, cool. Um, and, and to that point, I suppose, you know, I'm imagining at least a few of the companies that have 
gotten involved with you uh, on some kind of an investment level, either through ECS or, or otherwise, um, have had some kind of familiarity as to where your expertise lies, your background, your interests, uh, your way of understanding uh, groups or organizations. Um, how would you recommend, if you do at all, how entrepreneurs might uh, tailor, if they're doing, let's say, a, a pitch or a presentation, um, take into account the expertise of the various people there in front of. You know, I can imagine sometimes you are with maybe some, some semblance of a medical startup who, you know, you've, you've been in a related enough field where you guys are going to speak the same language. Maybe other times it's a field that you're totally unfamiliar with or it's really, you know, maybe less of a hyper-technical sort of topic. Um, do you recommend entrepreneurs take into account uh, the expertise of, of the individual investors, or if it's a group, maybe the, the, the various people in the group, in terms of how they tailor a presentation, and if so, maybe how? Okay, um, they should take it into account, but it's not one of the, they should know about it, um, take advantage of it, but it shouldn't be the primary driving factor. Um, so if someone's speaking to me, the fact that they know that I have a technical background, that I've been an academic in the medical world. Um, if they don't understand that, they might talk down to me. And if they do understand it, they might have a richer conversation because of it. Yeah. Um, the fact that they've done work, or I've done work very similar to what they're talking about, um, can be a great asset to both sides. It makes the conversation quicker and deeper. Um, when an entrepreneur talks to investors, also, they're not only seeking financial resources, they're seeking human resources and yes. membership in a, in a team. And somebody who knows either the market or the technology or similar enterprises can be a huge asset to the entrepreneur, even more important, actually, than the dollars represented. Yeah, yeah, I can easily see how that would be the case. So maybe not even just, hey, let's figure out how to tailor our pitch given the expertise, but you know, let's figure out who we're going to step up to and who we're going to step in front of in the first place based around you know, who we'd want to be part of our team or, or who we'd want to be involved with uh, you know, intellectually, never mind just in terms of how much we can get in the bank. That's definitely true, but that's, that's a longer process. It's kind of like a, a dating relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get to know each other somewhat gradually over a number of encounters. There's no way to look up, or you could look up in a directory and find out that I have a doctorate in a particular discipline of science, but that would not be a good basis to approach me because thousands of other people have the same doctorate. And um, so it's not, that's not a very useful tool. It's, it's yeah. kind of when you have the conversations, try to understand who you're talking to. So when I consult or give a presentation one of my first issues is, who am I talking to? What's going to make sense to them? What do they want to hear? Uh, what will benefit them? Talking, an entrepreneur talking to an investor has to have those same thoughts in mind. Yeah, big time. Um, and it, yeah, I think it's, it's interesting to sort of, uh, you know, to posit how, uh, again, who you're stepping up to in the, in the first place. Obviously, you know, taking their expertise into account, but how that, you know, more so than the, the dollars, A, might be more important, but also is presumably even a longer process because that actually is sort of relationship level stuff and actual deeper kind of connectedness level stuff. And I suppose you don't really know that until you're around them enough. Um, so that's something to kind of take into account as well. What sort of practical advice might you have for uh, entrepreneurs who are out there 
who are sort of looking for a certain degree of, of again, you had mentioned sort of, uh, you know, knowledge, connectedness, human resources, in addition to just capital resources. Um, you know, what sort of practical advice might they take into account to, to sort of line up maybe their hit list of folks they'd like to work with or in terms of approaching them? Um, you know, if, if you were a company, I suppose now, you know, how would you approach that process of finding the human resources? Well, like, like many other um, enterprises, you can put some guidelines on it, but in the end, it's, it's sort of trial and error, yep. the product of a lot of hard work and luck and taking advantage of the luck. So one of the things that an entrepreneur should understand is there's no simple black and white right answer. No, yeah, of course not. Uh, you're going to knock on a lot of doors, you're going to start a lot of conversations, and you're going to find some that click or have potential, and others just, you thought they might, but they don't. And that's hard to predict. Yep. Uh, so networking is, is huge. Um, understanding that there are a variety of investment um, pathways and communities to approach is really important. Um, not every idea or budding company is necessarily slated or targeted to any one of these. You should probably try a number of them and see which one you make progress with and which one resonates for you. So, you know, venture capitalists operate in one way. Um, angels and angel groups are much more diverse. Uh, the whole coming era of crowdfunding is going to operate in a different way yet. Yep. So any company, and maybe even any stage of any company, has to think about what the options are you know, at, at each moment and you know, try to plan it intelligently. So don't do something today that's going to turn around and, and be a detriment tomorrow but realize that the challenge of today will be different from that tomorrow. Yeah, that, that's that's a good point, I feel, there, that any company or any stage of any company might be a better fit for a different mode or method of you know, acquiring this capital or, or, or finding this stuff in the first place. So that's, a, I think, an apt point in many regards. A lot of people, I suppose, it's sort of, you know, you, you go for this kind of an angel first, and then it's, you know, then it's going right for the the VCs, but as you as you had mentioned, you know, figuring out how you get that settled is potentially a more complex process with maybe more options, which could be a good thing depending on where you're at. Um, as as sort of a, a last question in area of focus, I wanted to to run by you because I know again we're speaking with different angel groups and some folks in the venture space um, who are all meeting and getting introduced to startups in, in somewhat different ways. I mean, there's some commonalities in terms of, you know, pitchy type events or, you know, certain quarterly or monthly, uh, you know, meetings where they have X number of companies come through. Um, but I wanted to ask you just from your own experience, Charles, um, the companies that you've actually done work with, how have you generally been introduced to them? Has it been the classic hey, on the third of the month, we got, you know, 10 companies that come in and they give us a four-minute spiel, and that's how you meet, you know, 90% of these guys. Or, or are there some other semblance of commonality that you've, you've sort of found there, whether it's, you know, out at your speaking engagements or, or something along those lines? I'm probably unusual in that I would answer all of the above. Ah. I, I operate in a number of organized, formal angel groups across the country, so I... I see in each one of them the output of a regular you know, presentation process and selection process. Uh, I go to events all the time, and I 
I hear and see and meet people. Sometimes I approach them. Sometimes they approach me. Um, sometimes people approach me out of the blue by a phone call or an email. Yeah. So it's all of the above. And then huh. with all of those things, network, network, network. Yeah, so it's, it, there, there isn't, even, even in your experience, it's not really kind of like, well, you know, the, the deepest level of connection and probably the, the biggest percentage are folks who all meet, you know, hodgepodge at an event. Or the biggest percentage is probably people that I meet at a formal pitch. For you, it's really across the board. No real way to tell. Just be out there with enough tentacles out there to get as many modes of these introductions as possible. And some will work out, some won't. Even even in your experience anecdotally, without any necessary kind of pattern in terms of what methods of introduction uh, you find each other through. Well, that, that applies to me personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In yep. Different sort of sectors. Yeah. Of field. Most of my colleagues do emphasize one or another approach, you know, by and large. Yep. Okay. But yeah, your, your own experience is a little bit more uh, vast and varied. So interesting. Um, uh, as maybe a, a little bit of a closing note, you know, I know generally speaking when we're interviewing investors, we, we talk a little bit about, you know, what it is that they're interested in and, and maybe a little bit about, uh, you know, their firm and what they're up to. Maybe you could tell us uh, if people are interested in learning a little bit more about ECS or some of the, the particular types of companies that you're interested in at this point, um, where might they learn about that or, or sort of where are you moving with your investments these days? <coughs> All right, well, I have to say up front that my focus is very strictly on financial return. I believe that when you do good, you do well uh, at the same time. So that's, that's unlike some of my colleagues who will invest on a cool idea or one that <laughs> the world could really use or benefit from. Those, those are all components, but I want them all to to work together and add up to a, a picture of a likely um, financial return. And for me, financial return is not the multiple of the dollars in and the dollars out. It's the rate of return of the money. Is the money working as hard as possible all the time? So that's what all of my decisions come down to. Yeah. So in an angel world or in a crowdfunding world, other people operate differently, and I wouldn't discourage somebody. Um, but, you know, for me, it's, it's much more, you know, hardcore and professional in that sense. Yep. I, I hope other good things will happen, but that's my underlying metric and decision-making process. Sounds rational to me. Well, it's rational, um, and I have a lot of fun doing it. I think I do a lot of good doing it, but, you know, each person makes their own decision. Yeah, how, how they're going to approach it. You had mentioned you know, it's unlike your colleagues in some respects. You know, clearly they're not a bunch of dummies throwing money at, you know, crazy wacky stuff. Um, you know, your emphasis here really being the, the financial return and kind of having that be as clear as possible. What sort of decision-making processes or criterion, uh, you know, uh, I, would, I would doubt, I suppose, that literally cool idea is one of the checkboxes that they check in their mind when they write checks. What are the, what are your some of your your fellows uh, sort of making their calls around that might differ from again your more straightforward seemingly very rational financial approach? Well, everybody says they want a financial return, but some people are very affected by the cool factor, okay, or the futuristics factor. Um, some people, particularly angels, are very influenced by the community 
factor and for their local economy. Huh, yeah, yeah, that's local interesting. Entrepreneurs, the local social scene, etc. Yeah. Um, and those, in my mind, often work across purposes. So I enjoy all of those, but I try not to make decisions based on them. Interesting. Yeah, again, and that sounds to me like reason at work. Um, so with that being said, is that sort of, uh, you know, when, when companies are coming to you guys at, at ECS, um, you know, do, do they already kind of understand that that's a focus and or is there a particular type of company which you're sort of doing more inviting or allowing in than others, whether it be industry sector, um, you know, uh, type of team or, 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 you know, kind of founder squad that has it together in the first place. Are there any trends there in terms of what you guys, you know, tend to care about and lean towards in terms of, you know, people that are approaching you? Right. Well, the entrepreneur or the approaching uh, company usually has no idea of our orientation, nor should they, because, you know, we're, we're one of a thousand that they might talk to. And yeah, yeah. They can't study all of us. Yep. I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about briefly our decision-making process <clears throat> um, and then where it leads us. So for me, the decision-making process is really four stages or gates. One is a significant problem in the world. Yep. So, um, I mean, a real need that if it can be met, the world is clearly a better place. There's okay. going to be a big market. <laughs> yep. um, so, um, you know, there's a lot of things that are just cool, but I, I can't see the real need or use of them, so I, they fail this first test. Yep. The second of my tests is <clears throat> that the entrepreneur or the company offers a significant um, response, a significant meeting of that challenge or need. So, you know, it's, it's not just doing yep. something related to, but actually might <clears throat> help address the need. So um, those two things usually lead me to technology um, because they're, they're often big, big issues yep. uh, and a practical impact. The third thing I look for is the good team. Um, so, you know, good people can pivot and evolve, which always happens. Yes, it does. A bad team with the best of initial ideas doesn't do that. So the team is critical. And then the fourth, even if the first three line up, the deal has to line up. So, you know, if it's if it's not sort of market rate for all concern, it doesn't get done because every dollar has competing possible applications. Yep, opportunity cost goal. So, so that's where that's how my decision process goes. In a nutshell, where it has led me is at least half, more than half of my investments have been broadly health-related because health, quality of life, those are huge issues, huge needs, and particularly with technology, uh, there's lots of ways of addressing them. Uh, so more than half of my investments have been in the health-related areas. Uh, the second one would be sort of energy, basic materials, uh, Third category might be um, IT, but usually related to the first two. Uh, and Somewhere. then there's the smattering of, of other um, <laughs> yeah. you know, just things that made it through the, the filter. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the, the four filters that you have lined up there. Uh, and it sounds like also the, uh, uh, 
you know, half of them being health related, that also might tie a little bit into your wheelhouse of, of, you know, research in that, in that space as well. So maybe that's sort of helpful. I certainly understand that. Yep. Right. So I can talk the language yep. and have closer connection, but you know, I've done things in energy, basic yep. chemistry, materials, um, things that I don't have a specific background in, but it's still research and discovery and technology. And so I, I can still have a more informed conversation than, than somebody with an art or purely business background. Yep. Um, so, all right, cool. And, and that gives a little bit of a picture of sort of the types of folks that you're looking to uh, catch up with and make your connections with, as well as your process for investing, which I think is always useful because I think, you know, it's like getting in the mind of a customer is, you know, ubiquitously useful for any startup. Getting in the mind of an investor is ubiquitously useful for any startup who's going to go that route. So I certainly more than appreciate that. If if folks want to get in touch with you or they just want to learn more about Dr. Charles Sidman, I know, again, you're a speaker. You've got kind of a presence in a whole bunch of different areas. Where are the best places to uh, to learn more about you guys or even just ECS in general? Well, we keep a pretty low profile. Actually. Yeah, I can tell the um, website's uh, the website's definitely definitely pretty low pro. Right. Um, so you know, I don't mind people emailing me. Um, that's probably the easiest way. Okay, and they can find that on the uh, the main ECS site, I can imagine. Yes, or it's just C Sidman C S I D M A N at ECS Partners dot com. Got it. Okay, cool. Well, Charles, I, I more than appreciate you uh, spending the time with us today. I think we've gone a, a minute or so over, but it was definitely worth it on this end. And I uh, look forward to being in touch in the future. All right. Well, let me know if I can ever help, and good luck with your efforts. Cool. Thank you. Hey, thanks for tuning in, guys. If you're an entrepreneur or a future thinker uh, with an interest in businesses, transitions, or technologies that have the potential to alter human potential, and make sure you check out techemergence.com. It's our main blog site where you can see all of our other interviews with uh, top startup leaders, uh, entrepreneurship experts, and folks in the domain of technology, cutting-edge emerging technology. Uh, if you have a particular interest in how technology can affect the future of human consciousness and our conscious experience, then be sure to also check out sentientpotential.com. There we explore a lot of the ethical considerations and really serious moral matters of emerging technologies, in addition to interviews with great philosophers and technology experts of our day. Uh, more than anything else, always feel free to reach out if you can find us via email. Um, you can reach out to us there or whatever other way. Find us on the blog. Be sure to drop comments. We believe that the serious uh, conversation about the future is not only open-minded, but also interdisciplinary and multifaceted. So we'd like nothing more than to be able to glean your ideas as well. Um, so with that being said, with the best of intentions for a brilliant future, this is Dan Fagella signing off. And we'll see you next week.